Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. The title of my message is Mission Possible, The Great Reset. The Great Reset. So actually, it was a couple weeks ago when Pastor Casey Bonbasi was uh, preaching a message and it, it totally messed me up. And I just want to read you what that scripture was because as he was talking about it, I was very fascinated about the scripture that I've read a ton of times. It's right out of, of Mark. It was about Jesus going across on the boat. I mean, we've all heard the story, hopefully, if you've been in church longer than a day. And, um, but the way that he articulated, man, there was just a touch of God on it. It was like a rhema word. And I went home and I was thinking about it. I woke up the next day thinking about it. All week long, I was chewing on it. I'm like, man, there is something I got to investigate in this. And then God unraveled this whole thing and is why I'm preaching this message, really. It just started uh, looking at some stuff. I was like, man, my mind just started going bing, bing, bing. I was like, this, this is what it's about right here. And so this is out of Mark 4, the context and this is after he's, he's given his disciples, he's, you know, pretty much teaching them in parables. And uh, they'd been around him, and they're just, you know, going, oh, my gosh. Jacob, don't leave. Don't leave. I, okay, good. I miss you, man. I, uh, I grew up with Jacob. I grew up with Jacob. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. I had to make sure I didn't offend him in the first two minutes. But, uh, and so this was uh, Jesus just going across, and so here it is. On the same day when the evening had come, he said to them, after he'd been teaching all day, let's cross over to the other side. Pretty much I got more stuff to do. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in a boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so it was already filling. I know I said NIV. This is New King James Version. Don't you love me? So sorry, Esther. <laughs> Um, but he was, he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And Casey Bombasi made this funny point about how even Jesus was advocating pillows. And as a chiropractor, I was like, that is amazing. I've been thinking about, I need to sell more pillows. And this is the new verse I'm going to use on all my taglines. It's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. Make sure you have a good ergonomic pillow. No matter what storm you're in, you're going to be just fine. If you're not sleeping well, it could be your pillow. The revelation is real, people. Anyways, they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care we are perishing? Interesting first dark thought to have. Number one. Then he arose, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Hmm, Jesus has got power, if you didn't know. But he said to them, his disciples, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? That one line messed me up. It's amazing. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? What's amazing is they could be with Jesus all the time and steer, still be fearful, still be afraid, and still be called out because they have no faith. So my question today is, how's your faith? If you're a newbie Christian, like you came last week, gave your life to the Lord, I mean, it might be small. Maybe you had a radical encounter, it might be big. I don't really know. But what I will tell you is we are called to live level 10 faith. We are called to be different than the world. It's amazing when I do this, you know, I'm in the business world, I wanna hang out with entrepreneurs and stuff. I mean, I got an atheist friends with more faith in the business world than some of my Christian friends. It drives me crazy. I just don't wanna hear him talk anymore because here's this faithless guy that doesn't have fear, and yet I got a bunch of Christians that are over here sucking their thumb. I'm so nervous about this job opportunity. Oh my gosh, do you read your Bible? Where is that Bible? I need it. You're the best, I know. You love throwing the word at me. There it is. So what happens is this revelation came out, and this is what I wanna teach from today because I started taking an account how has my faith been through some storms in my life? 
You know, we all have storms. Anybody in here not have a storm? I really need you as a friend. Anybody? Storm free? Storm free. All right. Who's had some storms? All right. Who just isn't going to proactively activate their arm? Okay. So what happens is in this, I started thinking to myself, adversary. We, we, what's that? Adversity. I was hooked on phonics for years. Don't judge my dad on that. It has nothing to do with that. I, I didn't like my English teacher. But adversity. So I realized that I was hiking Cal's Mountain one time. And Cal's Mountain is just a mountain in San Diego. I'm just going to hike it. Don't, you're, don't look at me all impressive. It's not that big a deal. But someone's like, yeah. One of my patients is like, I hike Cal's Mountain three times a week. I'm like, oh, I'd love to do it. Like, yeah, try to be an hour. I'm like crushing it. I go be an hour as I'm coming down. This little whiz of a young lady just whips right by me, passes me on the way back. I'm like, how, fa- how fast do you do that? She goes, 42 minutes. I was like, oh, I'm going to beat 42 minutes. So about, you know, four weeks later, I, I beat that time. I'm like, yes. And then I see this half cripple old man fly by me. And I, mean, made, I haven't even summoned it back, and he's already halfway back down. I'm like, you didn't go to all the way to the top. He goes, yes, I did. Top and bottom, 35 minutes. I'm like, you could barely walk. That's insane. So my next goal was 35 minutes. I put myself in that situation. I remember puking at the bottom. I beat the time. I'm thinking to myself, why am I doing this? How many of you put yourself in, Tim, what was it? Adversity? Yeah, thank you. Adversity. I mean, I was just thinking to myself, yeah, I trained for a triathlon. My, my brother went through all these, like, trainings. I'm like, why do you do that? Well, he had to. There's things I didn't have to do. But I'm not talking about that adversity. I'm talking about the stuff that we've been through that we didn't choose for ourselves. I'm talking to myself. I went through, and I remember, you know, my family went through a bankruptcy. My parents got divorced. They went through some stuff. I didn't like that. But it was amazing how many things we've been through that we didn't choose to, and we're all going to have a reaction to it. We're all going to make some inner vows. We're all going to take in and put some amens to some things that could lower our faith. Some of us maybe failed in business, so we're afraid to give it a go again. Maybe some of you failed in marriage, so you're afraid to give it a go again. Some of you failed in raising kids. You're like, no, we're going to stop with one. Maybe that's why we stop with three. I'm just trying But I'm looking at all these things, you know. I had a young lady that I care for. She died of cancer at 20-something years old, renal cell carcinoma. That's men over 50 that smoke. It didn't add up. Adversity. Failed businesses. A good friend stabbed me in the back, stole all my money. Adversity. But it's amazing. I kept going, why did I choose to still have joy? Why did I choose to still show up? Why did I choose to still go back in business? Why did I choose to still want to open a restaurant with partners? Why did I... Because I realized something. I was discipled well, and I always went to faith over fear. But not everybody is trained that way in our thinking. And there's been moments of fear, but it's been one of the little hacks, one of the little codes I've done is the minute I have a reaction, people still annoy me. I mean, I pray for myself all the time. It says, love your neighbor. You don't have to like them. Lord, don't. Don't let me be a pastor. You know, I, could bar- I don't even, I definitely don't like pastors. I barely like Christians. You're going to be a pastor one day. No, Lord. But he changes your heart. He shifts things. He gives you a filter to see people differently. My question is, where's your faith level? Is it a 10 right now? Are you full of faith? If you're an 11, I would love to hang out with you today because I pour some. But I'll never let myself get below a seven. That's why I Go to the word of God. That's why I go to men's prayer. That's why I was in a connect group for years. That's why we can't let ourselves get drained of faith because if you're void of faith, fear will take over. How do we keep our faith meter? He's saying, where's your faith? Where there's a lack of faith, there's fear. Jesus is asking the people he's with, that he's loved, that he's discipling, where is your faith? I got you. I'm in your boat. I'm talking to the people Jesus is already in your boat today. But how is our level of faith? Would you be willing to give it a go again? Or are we gonna get locked in fear, which leads to anxiety, which leads to this thing? I love it. I was reading this verse that was messing me up the other day. Joshua 1.8. 
This book of law shall not depart from your mouth. It's funny. Depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. See, that's not a, don't let the world have that word. I guess people like, we're going to go to meditate. No, no, listen, it's a biblical word. They want to take it out of context, or they want to put a little dust and fairy juice on it. That's fine, but it is the Bible's word. It's meditate. What's it mean? It means to meditate, okay? It decreases, scientifically, it decreases beta waves in your brain, which means it calms the noise of the world, which is chaos, which means it gives you better focus, which means it helps you increase your memory. It decreases your stress. When you meditate, what do you meditate on? You meditate on his word. How do you do it? You do it day and night. Meditate means to focus one's thoughts, to increase spiritual awareness. Day and night. The Bible's an instruction, man, and if you meditate it on day and night, that you may observe to do according to all, not some, not part, not 5%, to do all that is written in it. For when you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have Good success. How many want good success? Not every hand went up. I'm so worried right now. Be so confident in God's plan that you don't ever get upset anymore when things don't go your way. That's how much faith I'm talking about. You don't even get upset. It doesn't go your way. You know it's not part of God's plan because you are so confident in God's plan. Can we get to that point that we meditate on his word day and night that we don't let a storm toss us around when Jesus is in our boat? If he's sleeping on a pillow, I'd be like, man, I can't believe he's sleeping on a pillow. If he's sleeping on a pillow, give me another one, Jesus. I'll take a pillow. But that's not the attitude. If we're gonna come to church, say we're a Christian, let's start learning what's the word of God say how we should operate. If we're gonna be the light of the world, then how do we do it? Point number one, reset your mind. If you want mission possible, the great reset, the number one reset is reset your mind. How do we do it? It's the state that you live in. I heard this term that was laid out there. It was training for reigning. And I'm not talking rain. I'm talking rain, R-E-I-G-N. I was counting on my fingers. You see that? Training for reigning. How are you going to rule and reign in this? We're called, in the first thing, I need you to take dominion, to fulfill the earth, to trample on service. We are called to do radical things. We're called to be the light of the world. Yet, we're going to come against storms, and don't let those storms break you. And the first thing is, in the kingdom, your dominion on the outside is related to your victory on the inside. It's so important, the first territory you need to reign over in your own state is your mind, because you're in no shape to help take exterior territory if you haven't take this territory first. God's just saying, why don't you work on the six inches of territory before you go try to take territory? I'll give you six inches. Everyone wants to tell me leadership books. Why don't we start with self-leadership? And we'll know by your fruit. What is your state right now? When we can think of the word state, what's your internal climate, your emotional condition? And what shapes this condition is your thoughts. There's a direct connection to your thoughts and your feelings. So if you're disconnected from your dominant thoughts, the challenge in doing this, you, all, you gotta know your own thoughts. Sometimes we get so busy being noisy or we can't sleep at night, we're scrolling, we're playing games or we just wanna watch Netflix that we actually don't take internal, like what am I thinking right now? So when I have somebody that triggers me or rubs me wrong, or I start to get upset, or I get emotionally charged, I wanna go, why is that charging me right now? You know, early on, you know, my wife would be like, why do you like pushing my buttons? I'm like, well, don't stick them so far out. I'm like a child, I wanna push your buttons. What's this one do? Oh, I don't like that one. Okay, note to self, I pushed the wrong button. But it's amazing, we would have to take, as we mature in faith, we start to learn about ourselves and our thoughts and our thought life. And why am, I, why am I getting triggered by that response? Why am I giving someone so much power that could ruin my day, ruin my life? Take every thought captive, and then let's figure it out where it comes from. 
It's amazing. Listen to this verse. I love this. You will keep him in perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Isaiah 26, 3. Your thoughts are important. All the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament, Jesus talking about your thought life. Your thought life is gonna set you up or set you back. The personal battle, whatever it is, involves thoughts and feelings that combine together to produce one or two states, empowering or disempowering. Think about it. What kind of choices do you make when you're in a fearful, angry, and resentful state? Do you think you're making wise decisions? You make choices that pull you deeper into darkness. What kind of choices do you make when you feel confident, resourceful, full of gratitude? You make choices that pull you deeper into your destiny. I love this. The kingdom of, of God is defined as this. Living a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17. I'm gonna say it again. Living a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Look closely and you'll see that two-thirds of the kingdom is in an altered state of being. Joy and peace. How's your joy and peace today? All this is to recalibrate you. If you can look me in the eye and say, I'm a level 10, pastor. That's amazing. Then share your hacks or your tricks that got you to level 10. How do you stay enjoying peace? Are you enjoying peace when you're in a storm? Are you enjoying peace? It's not a judgment thing. It's just don't lie to yourself. Don't like, oh, everything's great. Then we become Christianese whitewashed tombs. I grew up that way. I'm never going back that way. If you got something going on, let's process it together. It's amazing. So many people have a hard time because they're just conditioning to put on this thing, and then they become disconnected from truth. They don't live in reality. Their world is chaos, but they think everything's fine because they're used to chaos. They don't want to hear the truth because then you're pulling them out of their little bubble. But if you're in a safe place, guess what? That's where you get breakthrough. That's how you never go back to that place. We need to know the truth. Righteousness, peace, and joy will be your byproduct. Listen to this. Look closely. Perhaps more people are not attracted to the Christian message, our life, because the product we sell doesn't look like it's working for us. It's true. I grew up that way with guys in school. Hey, we'd be at church, everything fine. I'd be like, dude, your life's a mess. I'd see him in church on Sunday, and this is before I really gave my life to the Lord. Thank God I met Pastor Jurgen. I'd be downtown. I'm like, oh, I saw you last week at church. I saw you. I saw you. That's not your wife. Okay. It's amazing, but then we show up, everything's fine on Sunday. We're not coming to fill a seat here. We're coming to have a radical encounter, a change our life, fill us with faith, and do something different. Listen, when we put in the effort to renew our mind with the word of God, it's amazing, it's right here, we'll start to make choices in line with the word of God. That's what we gotta figure this out. Obedience brings blessing, and that blessing is manifest in the experience of righteousness, peace, and joy. So the Bible talks so much about this. Point number one is reset your morning. Oh, point number two. Number one was reset your mind. Number two is reset your morning. So Paul speaks about this spiritual warfare, casting down arguments. Another word, another version is imaginations. And every high thing that exalts excels against the knowledge of God, 2 Corinthians 10.5. Notice that most of the time, your battle manifests itself like a wrestling mask with your thoughts. It happens to every single one of us. So consider this, the more powerful, aggressive, strong, and difficult the idea you're wrestling with, the more likely you're actually not dealing with just the thought alone. You're dealing with the thing, meaning there's a spiritual attachment to that thought. Fear could be a thought. God gave you this thing, a motion of fear, like if you're gonna walk up to a cliff, there should be a little fear to save your life. But when fear starts to overwhelm you, there is a spirit attached to it, and you can't think your way out of it. You can't just hope your way out of it. You can't just like, hey, no, no. It is a spiritual warfare against you, and you better have the right people around you to make sure you start don't letting those thoughts overwhelm you that start to unwind you to take you to a dark place. One amen. Okay. Notice that most of the time, you're having this wrestling match, okay? Thoughts are things. 
Paul admonished Timothy and said, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, the teaching, continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. 1 Timothy 4.16. He's saying, you better know the word. You better keep teaching it, because if you know it, you'll teach it. If you teach it, you'll know it. Every one of you, teach somebody. Teach somebody. We all need a Paul, and we all need to be a Paul to somebody else. We need that Paul Timothy. Because you might be a Timothy. I have a Paul in my life. It's Pastor Jurgen. But then I need to be a Paul to someone else. I'm just a Timothy. We gotta be teaching it so we get it in us, so we understand it. But you gotta notice, I love this. Take heed to what you agree with because agreements authorize your experience. Take notice to what you agree with. Don't come into agreement with fear. Don't come into agreement with what's spoken over you. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you. John 8, 32. It's the truth that sets you free, right? Right? Thank you. We're interactive here at this church. I just didn't know. We're looking a little bit, I'm getting a little PTSD. Don't go there just to be nice to my dad, Presbyterian. The frozen chosen. No, I saw your hand go up in worship, Dad. I felt like we got breakthrough. I feel like today's a big day. 81, you might get both hands. Let's set a goal, both hands by 81. Some of you are panicking. Don't worry, we're fine. We're fine. I felt the tension in here. Felt like it got tense. He's been used to me half my life. So listen, it's the truth that sets you free. Jesus said it, notice, it's not the anointing that sets you free. It's not the prayer or the prophecy that sets you free. It's not even the angels that set you free. What sets you free? The truth sets you free. Can I double down to be more specific? The truth you know sets you free. What do you know? If I squeezed you, does the word come out or does the world come out? I'm not judging. When you pray and prophesy, confront a lie with truth, it has great power. Angels play a great role as we discover in the book of Daniel. The intercession of Daniel involves spiritual warfare that broke through when the angel Gabriel came to the declaration. Literally, Daniel was sitting there and the angel said, I came because of what you said. What you speak matters. You can call on angels if you know the word of God. Some of you wanna know that. Consider this. If the truth you know sets you free, someone needs to hear this, it must be a lie that holds you captive. If you can't break free of fear or a situation, there is a lie that you've come in agreement with that's holding you captive. If it's the truth you know that liberates, it must be something you don't know that's holding you back. Perhaps this is why the Bible says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6. Let's know the truth. Not a truth, the truth, the word of God. A biblically literate church is a scary church for the enemy. The enemy doesn't care about these churches that doesn't know the word. We don't want you to come in and just go to DNA and start serving and not know the word of God. I want you to be weaponized and when you get out of the bed in the in the morning, the devil's like, oh, sugar. Awakened church people are serious. We gotta know the word. Paul gives this advice over and over. And actually, I did this study in, you know, in 2 Corinthians 2.11 when he says, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. And you go look at what that word devices mean. And then you break it down. He's saying that's the way he schemes against us. It's what the Greek word that I can't even pronounce that I'll butcher for you. Just know this, it schemes against us. The devil is scheming against you and I. But the word devices denotes Satan's insidious plot to fill the human mind with confusion. He wants to cause division in your home, division in your mind. He doesn't want you blessed, so he just knows, oh, that's easy, I can cause division. In your home, he'll start there. Now he knows you, where there's not unity. See, where there's unity, God commands a blessing. So when he creates division, he goes, oh yeah, they're losing their blessing. Look at them two fight, blah, blah, blah. Then he's like, oh, let's level up. Let's create division in a city. Division between neighbors. Oh, my greatest one, division in the church. 
let's just, you know, try to disciple, but we're human. We might miss it here and there. Oh, and then people get upset and Maybe they aren't used to this discipling thing. They're not used to coaching or people speaking into them, so they get offended and they leave because that's easier. And then the devil wins. Instead of let's just get thicker skin, handle it. Say, I don't really like the way you did that. Well, how would you prefer it? It's how I was raised. My dad just told me what was up. So it's kind of how I preach. I just tell you what's up. I'm not trying to offend you. I love you. I want the best for you. I want the greatest life for you. I want you to win. I didn't say yes to this job because it pays well. The purpose is to victimize your mind by the enemy. He wants to create a victim mentality out of you, let you feel sorry for yourself, let the play the victim role, and the more you play the victim role, the more you hold on to those thoughts and they become easier to think about, easier to think about, easier to think about. Listen, we have 60,000 thoughts a day, 93% of them are the same thoughts as yesterday. That means you have 7% more thoughts. And of the 7% more thoughts, how much of them are truth versus how much of them are the world getting in you? creating division in the world. Let's do social media. Let's do the news. Let's just get out there and hate each other, create more division and more division and more division. And you wonder why the church can't get ahead of itself because we can't take responsibility for what are we thinking? How do we take these thoughts captive? And the devil starts winning. He loves it. He does two purposes things of the devil. Get this. To get into a person's mind and fill it with lying emotions, false perceptions, and confusion. It is the reason that Paul urged casting down imaginations of every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Second Corinthians. We gotta know 2 Corinthians 10.5. There is an enemy that wants to program you. Young people, if I would have known this at 14, it would have changed my life. I didn't figure this out till 30 when I had a pastor Jurgen tell me, man, you gotta think different. Where'd you get that stinking thinking? I don't know. And he cared enough to disciple me through it. Was I offended? Oh, I was rubbed wrong every Sunday for six months. And then another two years just on the teaching around money. Why does he always gotta do a tithe message? So annoying. I'm fine being $200,000 in debt and upside down and credit card debt and, and not being able to own a home in San Diego and all these things. No, it wasn't fine, but I wasn't ready to receive until I was because I started reading the Bible on my own. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I opened it up and I started reading the word of God. I'm like, dude, why does it look like those words are coming to life? It's a rhema word. I had no idea. I had Logos my whole life just teaching me what Paul and the disciples' names were and where they came from and who they're related to and what David meant and what the Greek was of David and this word and exousia and power. I'm like, well, can I just get some power? I don't want to read about power. I need the power. I need deliverance. I'm, I'm talking, I'm tired of everybody else getting healed and delivered and fine. Why do I go to church and I get offended? Why do I get tweaked? Why do I just want to run out of here all the time? I had to receive it. I had to renew my mind. I had to get filled with the Holy Spirit so I could see different. I had to let the scales fall off my eyes. You gotta understand the devil targets your mind and your emotions. I wanna teach this thing. It's how to reset, reset how you see. Could we put up that, this diagram real quick? I need you to see this. Your experiences of your past change your belief system. We're all full of BS, a belief system. You guys are very judgmental. It's just a belief system. So our experience is life. You may have been saved your whole life. Well, that gave you a certain level of experiences that put in your beliefs. And can anyone coach you? Can anyone speak into you? Or are your beliefs like the promised land? What is the Bible? Have you put them against the Bible? I had a lot of experiences that gave me some beliefs. And guess what? When I came to this church, every one of those beliefs were challenged. I had to do a deep dive. And you know what? I used to go to the Word of God, not to read it for myself, actually to prove Pastor Jurgen wrong. You know what? I'm going to see what it really says. It didn't say that. can't believe it uses the word prosperous. Oh, it does. Okay. Oh, okay. The word prosperous is okay. Didn't know that. How many times is it used in the Bible? A lot. Unbelievable. Okay. I can be prosperous. Okay. I can be a Christian and prosperous. Ooh, that doesn't feel right. I was taught against that my whole life. Oh, I can pray in tongues. Oh, I was taught against that my whole life. What does that mean? Am I a bad person now that I pray in tongues? And then I had all this internal dialogue that I had to work out 
with fear and trembling, and when I had a healthy respect for understanding what obedience in the word of God meant and having fear of the Lord, which John Bevere just wrote the most incredible book that I just started, I encourage you, if you wanna read a book on fear of the Lord, which breaks it down like I've never seen before, John Bevere just wrote an incredible book on it. Matter of fact, if we could do it as a church, we'd all gain in some spiritual maturity and probably do more radical things together if you guys wanna check it out. I'm, and I'm not done with it yet, but I'm telling you what, people I respect have finished it, said it's a book that changed their life forever. And when you have a good understanding of what fear of the Lord means, it becomes much more palpable to wanna change quickly so you can get the fruit of what God's trying to get to you. If he can get it through you, Come on, how many know your life's gonna look different? So what happens is you change some beliefs because if you don't like your past or you don't like where you're at right now, then guess what? You gotta go back and start having different experiences. When I came to this church, I saw my first healing. That was a different experience. I had my first revelation. That was a different experience. I had my first prophetic word. That was a different experience. So it started to change my beliefs, which changed my decisions, which changed my actions, and I started getting different results. There is a blueprint that God has given us. This isn't the word. This is the word of God showing us how he programmed. Hey, that's why he said, take it pretty serious. Take every thought captive. Don't go to fear. Don't let someone speak that over you. You need to cancel that thought. That's a negative word. Don't come into agreement with that. That's their belief, not yours. That's their upbringing, not your upbringing. Quit saying yes to something that's not in agreement with the word of God. And if you don't, then it's your fault if you don't like the fruit and quit blaming God. He's just trying to help you see a thing and you don't like what you're seeing. So why are you holding on to a belief that's not serving you? Okay. So there's a little triangle, right? Draw a triangle. Hold on, I gotta preach quick, people, let's go. Little triangle. I guess we're not a note-taking church. Okay, no, you don't have to give me a triangle. That's gonna look weird online. Don't do that. I was not giving you some, that, listen, don't take this out of context, you hater. I'm saying draw a triangle, maybe people don't know what that is. I just wanna really explain that to you to so say you don't take my words out of context. I'm watching you, okay. So that triangle, put your name in the middle of it. On one side, write focus. Focus is what gets your attention. What gets your attention? The things that cause fear in your life or the things that cause faith in your life? On this side of the triangle, put meaning is what you say to yourself. What fires together, wires together. There's a saying, see, focus is what leads you, and if you want, you should be led by the Spirit of God. There's a saying, if you're led by your head, then you're dead. Because you're reasoning with the tree of knowledge. The tree of knowledge is rooted in good and evil. The problem is that we are inadequate to judge good and evil. We come from a sin world. So you need real wisdom to discern why people do what they do. That's why we need the discernment of the Holy Spirit, our helpmate to help us. So you got focus on what gets your attention. Meaning over here is what do you say to yourself? How many know that's important, what you say to yourself? And the bottom is your physiology. I love worship. How many know if your physiology is like this? I know what you love and it ain't worship. Listen, King David, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy, Psalm 142.1. Listen, David, all through the Bible, he would dance in the streets. His physiology, you knew he loved, he loved the Lord. What does your physiology say? Do you walk around with the frown like a clown upside down? And we're just like, yeah, I'm a Christian. <laughs> we're called to be the light of the world. Sometimes you gotta remind yourself in the mirror before you leave your day. My mom would come in as annoying as it was for 18 years. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I had PTSD 18 to 26, but I realized later, actually, that, I think that helped me. And my mom was never on drugs. So I was like, what is wrong with her? But she's always had this filter of like, yes, Life is amazing. Jesus is Lord. I'm up, Mom. You're walking through turmoil. It's all right. Jesus loves me. I'm as amazing. And then when you get married, it gets weirder. She'd walk in and we're married. She'd walk in our room. This is the day. My wife would be like, why is she in our room right now? Why is your mom rubbing my back? It's 6 a.m. Why is she singing to me? I'm like, sorry, we're going to counseling. Okay, I don't, I, we had two different filters growing up, obviously. Can you work with me? 
Not if she keeps coming in like that. How about we limit it? She can only visit two days at a time. Mom, you're up to four now. You're up to four days. You've come a long way. Thank you for not singing that song. Really setting up boundaries. That's important in marriage, guys. Just some extra advice there. Some of you aren't sure how to handle this. That's okay. I wanna give one more tool real quick. How you see things your significant emotional events of your life. Don't put them in denial and bury them like they didn't happen. They happened. What are we gonna learn from them? Or are we gonna keep walking around the same mountain? We gotta see differently. Again, we need to learn to ask ourselves, do we take heed, as Jesus said, to what we hear and how we hear it? Who is shaping your belief system? Who lenses are you seeing the world through? If the enemy can't get to you directly, he'll use it to somebody else that's close to you, a family member, someone you look up to. Who's helping programming you? And if it's contrary to this, my friends, as much as I love you, it's not gonna end well for you. This is what you line it up to. This is your barometer of truth. This is your calibrator. What is your thermoset set on? Your beliefs from the agreements you make about life, people, and your future, this leads to decisions and choices. Your choices will always shape your results, which is your harvest. If you're allowing fear or anger to shape your choices, you're allowing victimhood. Oh, it's my spouse's fault, it's government's fault, churches, it's my pastor's fault, it's my company's fault, it's the politician's fault. No, 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 it's our personal responsibility to shape you and your family's values. Dads, you're the head of the home. You are the head of the home. Culture is being shaped in a twisted and accelerated manner because every new event is subject to a manipulation or interpretation made more powerful through the leverage of technology and media. That's why Awaken Academy is here. We're not gonna allow that to dictate how our generation of kids are gonna be raised. Listen, as I land this plane, can I take you through one exercise that changed my life? I know, I'm gonna land this quickly. Reset your life. How do we reset our life? You reset your life by taking inventory. There's two things the devil operates in. He comes at us and messes with insecurity. We all have insecurities, I don't care who you are. Maybe not my brother, but most of the rest of us, we have these insecurities that we have to work through. Otherwise, the enemy will feed on these insecurities. Number one insecurity, am I enough? Am I enough? I remember when we're dating, maybe we see that special someone, we could have the thoughts, and those that don't act on asking that person out, it's because this insecurity took over. They didn't feel worthy. They didn't feel like they were enough to ask that person out. There's identity crisis in this world. It's the most common negative thought that barrages us in our mind. It turns into a fear, and if you trace them back to the root, almost all fears involve thinking we're inadequate to the assignment. Am I enough? All fears come down to question of identity. Fear of losing your husband to another woman. Am I enough of a woman? Fear of losing your job to a competitor is the most basic. Am I enough of a businessman or business person? Fear of losing your house. Am I enough of a provider? Could I ever buy a home in San Diego? Am I enough? Remember, the devil's a liar. The number two is, if they really knew me. If they really knew me. I had both. Man, if Pastor Eric really knew me, he'd never put me in the pulpit. If he really knew, my wife and I never put us in charge of Bressy Ranch at the time. Oh, dear Lord. I know he hears from the Lord, but this one he's off. I had, am I enough? Lord, I, I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm a, I sell crack for a living. I'm, by the way, I'm joking. I'm a chiropractor. That was, for those of you who didn't know, I'm sorry. That was too far. I was in a moment. Let's rein it back in. Okay. Lord, you know I couldn't do that. I'm not enough. I can't be responsible for people. I could barely handle a wife and three kids. Lord, you know I can't do this. Pastoring. 
it's like, all right, now that we're in, we're in. Now it's like, well, if you really know me, I'm gonna fail him anytime. If you really knew, I mean, I mean, I don't wanna give up Napa. I like going up there and tasting wine. And Pastor Jurgen's, Pastor Jurgen, you don't want me to be pastor. We, we go to Napa once a year and we do wine tasting. I grew up that way. It's my dad's fault. You know, he's had a vineyard and I can't really help. I don't wanna let go of family history. He's like, he looks right at me. and goes, what are you talking about? Why don't you just invite us? What? You'll come up to Napa with us? Yes. Amazing the thoughts the enemy will provide in there. Amazing the words and the things and the insecurities that he'll put fuel on a fire. It was just an ember that got lit up to a fire. But he discipled me on the way through. One of the greatest things that happened to me in 2006 when I started my practice and I started multiplying practices business mentor said, hey, I'm going to teach you. This is what the Word of God did for me. I want to teach you how to take that thought captive. And I'm going to land on this because I want you to know this. I want you to write three bubbles, three circles, not a triangle this time, three circles. And in those three circles, I want you to write an insecurity or a fear or a trouble or something you're going through. I wrote Mind Mastery cards years ago because of this mentorship. And I started declaring things in my life and then I put a, a Bible verse to back it up on the other side so I can memorize the word of God. What did the truth say? It's not the truth, it's the truth I know. I wanna know it in my spirit. My grandma, matter of fact, you didn't even know this dad, years ago, wrote out something for me when I was a kid and I typed it up. These are all my fear knots that I found one day in my oldest Bible that I had at Westmont College. And it's funny, I didn't even know. It was just all these scriptures. She said, fear not. Let the God promises help you drive out fear. I needed it in college. I had insecurities, but I would just read these, and I don't even know if I believed them, but I was reading them, getting the word on the inside of me. So what happens is you get those bubbles, you write those things. Maybe it's one dominating thought that you're going through, a situation that you're in. You feel stuck, you feel fearful. for someone's coming against you, something. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a business situation, whatever it is. And then I want you to double down on it, right underneath it. Increase the fear around it, because you gotta shape your thinking different. Example, when I took over Bressy and two, my wife and I got asked to lead Bressy campus. It was already a church, already had a pastor, everything. My wife asked us, or Pastor Jurgen asked my wife and I, and we said yes to it. And I knew in my spirit we were supposed to, but as I drove up there on that first Sunday by myself and I went up early, I pulled into the parking lot and I heard the devil say, man, see how empty it is? It's always gonna be this empty. You don't know what you're doing. You just started getting into this whole thing. You think God's gonna use you? You don't even live half of the word you know. You think you could actually lead people? Matter of fact, the leaders that are here, they don't even like you. They're actually loyal to the other pastor. They're gonna leave you. Matter of fact, this church is gonna shrink even more. Matter of fact, Pastor Jurgen's gonna see that you're actually an insecure person and actually drive away all these people and, and less people are gonna come. You might as well quit now. You should call them and don't even go in today. Next one is, he said, um, oh yeah, all the leaders that are there, they're never, you're gonna have no fruit out of this church. They're all gonna leave you. Smear your name. Was it worth it? Man, I walk in there that first Sunday, my wife and I so fearful, like, what are we doing? We went home, we're like, dear Lord. And I did the same exercise I did in 2006 for my practice. I drew the three circles, I wrote the lies. And then over here, I wrote three more circles. And I said, this church will be full to overflow until the fire marshal gets called. I said, it's gonna be so full that we're gonna need more buildings. We're gonna raise up such incredible leaders. Other campuses will come out of here, other worship leaders, other preachers, other pastors will come out of this campus. The greatest leaders in our church will come out of this campus. I wrote those. Now, did I believe them? No, but I prophesied them every day. They went in the front of my Bible. This is what you do. You prophesy, then you put the word to it. I attached a Bible verse, some of my most faithful Bible verses I wrote in there that I memorized, I preached. Every time on Sunday, I'd hear the devil. I'd open up that Bible, that three by five card, and I'd start saying, and I'd prophesy, and I'd put the word of God in there, the truth, and the truth set me free. I didn't have any more fear. I had no more anxiety. I had no more stress. I walked in there like, let's do this thing. And everybody else like, dude, he looks a little overconfident. The joy of your Lord is my strength. 
And I walked in there strong like a lion. I'm gonna tell you, I found my roar and it's not because of the whispers, but the whispers got me to a place I had to trust God because I knew I couldn't get there because I knew my identity had to be in Christ, not what the world was saying, not what the devil was saying. And then I'd read that every day. And then here's, here's where you win. Here's where you win. I then, when we needed a new building, hence why we're all here, San Marcos, you're welcome. Not for me, thank God, because I didn't believe the lie. I went with a red pen and I crossed out that one circle. Then the next one, we had some of the greatest leaders, the greatest pastors, some of the people in here, we were multiplying, crossed that off. When someone came up to me all panicked and they go, Dr. Matt, the fire marshal's here, we got called on. They thought I was gonna be upset. I just got the biggest smile on my face. Like, that is awesome, I'll be right back. I opened my Bible, crossed out that circle. Every circle got crossed out within the second year of Bressy Ranch Campus. I'm gonna tell you something. If you know the word of God, it can set you free. Here's the deal, let's stand to our feet. I want you to think of that one dominating thought right now that's taken over your life, that's taken you captive, not you taking the thought captive. I had a patient come in recently and they were all beat up. My, what happened? He goes, my dog walked me. I'm like, is that how it started? No, I was gonna take my dog on a walk. And then it saw a cat and it started walking me and now I can't walk. I'm like, well, note to self. Don't let that dog walk all over you. The devil's a dog. Don't let him walk all over you. Remind him that he's been defeated. Remind him that he's a liar and put the word of God on it so he knows the truth. Even the devil knows, he'll quote scripture. But don't let him think he knows more of the word than you do. You fire that arrow straight back at him. Let him know what kind of believer you are. You are fierce. Take that thought right now, I'm gonna pray over it. Whatever that dominating thing is, could be a spouse, could be a kid away on drugs, it could just be your life, you need breakthrough. If you've made an agreement that you'll never own a home in San Diego, put that thought down. If it's if a business situation, hold on to it right now as I pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. Whatever's in that circle, whatever's in that doubt, I break that in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you right now. The blood of the cross, it is finished right now. We come under agreement. We break those agreements, and God, we renew our mind right now. We are asking, Lord, that you help us see differently, that we hear differently, that we look at ourselves in the mirror differently. We will no longer be a subject to the lie of the enemy, to the devil. We step out from under that. I come against anxiety and fear. I break that in the name of Jesus, God. I thank you, Lord that it is finished, that your word is truth and the truth sets us free. God, I thank you, Lord. Help us be believers that get the word of God on the inside of us, God, to remind the devil that he must flee, that he must leave, that he must get off our finances, he must get off our marriage, he must get off our health. God, I thank you, Lord, we're raising up a generation of kids that know their identity in kids' church, that they're coming up, they know how to pray for their friends, that they're bold and courageous at a young age, that they're learning these principles right now. And God, we apply them and we ask for grace in them. And Lord, give us an alarm system when we start to slip back to old thinking that's not of you. Remind us, nudge us, have a friend call us. And God, I thank you, Lord, for us to find a connect group, to find friends, to go to cherish and find greatest relationships we could ever find in this church, to find business partners that wanna do radical things and take territory in life together, to take dominion that you've called us to take dominion in. Lord, that there's unity in this house, that there's unity in marriage, that there's unity in the home. And Lord, that you're commanding a blessing to fall on our homes. We thank you for these things. And everybody said, Amen. One last thing I want to do, the most important, with every head bowed and every eye closed, here's the deal. You got to know Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The devil will lie about Jesus more than he'll lie about anything. He doesn't want you to even have an idea. He just wants you to believe that you can be a good person and you're going to be fine. There is a heaven, there is a hell, and the only way to heaven is through Jesus. I know people don't wanna hear that, but it's the truth. And we can't sugarcoat it or pretend or try to like, you know, give you a sales pitch. No, no, here's the thing. God sent his only son to die on the cross for you and me. He will taste you down to your last breath, giving you every chance because he's given us free will. The devil knows that, so the devil doubles down on that free will to cause confusion, to stir up hurts, to stir up past, listen, 
God didn't send his only son to start another religion. He wants a relationship with you and me. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to wait till you get your life together. No, he's the author and the finisher of your life. He will help you. The Bible says the Lord directs our steps. He wants to direct your steps the right way. Will you let him today, my friends? If that's you, just saying, I need Jesus in my heart. Just raise your hand so I can pray for you. Not gonna pull you down. I'm just gonna pray for you right now. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Proud of you. Thank you, young lady. Thank you. Hands up over here. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you, young lady. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Hands up there. Hands up top. Oh, sugar. We need a bigger prayer team. I like it. Give me some problems, Lord. Listen, let's all say this prayer. And I want to tell you something. I love bold people. And I know I went over time, but here's the deal. It's not about raising your hand that gets you into heaven. It's just a heart decision. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it's a very simple prayer. And I want to tell you something. You don't have to wait to bring your friends to church. I want you to actually know that you can lead anyone, anywhere in this prayer. At a coffee shop, at a gas station. Be bold. Time is short. Let's just get radical. Now, don't throw Bibles at them. I'm not into that. I'm not into that. It just looks, and don't yell at them. Just like, hey, I want to pray for you. I love you. Because Jesus loves you. And then say this prayer with them. We're going to say this prayer. And then afterwards, find one of my friends here with the Bible and a book called Following Jesus. If you, if maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you want a Bible, you knew we were giving free stuff away, come get one. Cause me more problems. Like give away all the Bibles. If you need a Bible, we want to resource you. It's your weapon. It's your truth. And the devil hates that we're giving them away today. He can't stand it. This is your weapon to learn and to know and to get it into your spirit. The second thing is we have a book called Following Jesus. It's just kind of like it's a starter guide, where to start. If you can't find anybody because there's too many people wanting a free Bible, go to that response lounge. We put a lot of like time and effort into the light. It's like follow the light. Go to the response lounge. We'll have people in there who will pray for you. If you just need prayer today, we're going to have an altar full of people that want to pray for you. Anything, no matter what it is, fear, anxiety, anything I touched on today, come down and get prayer. If you miss it all, I don't know what to tell you. Go to the info booth. But let's say this prayer together. You with me? Come on, whole church. Let's say this prayer, especially if you raise your hand for the first time. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. Today, I give you my heart. I ask for forgiveness, and I thank you for forgiving me. Your resurrection power has given me new life. I'm a new creation. Today, renew my mind, heal my heart, and guard my life. Let the rest of my life be the best of my life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.